What you gonna do about it? Our Liberty Teeth, Part 3, November 17th, 2021. What we've been facing in America for generations is now painfully obvious, and it's that we, the people, are not in charge, or are we? We are going to explore the Constitution and reference throughout a document shared here for your consideration, the unknown teeth of the Constitution. Portland, Seattle, Chicago, and Kenosha were torched and looted, and hundreds of cities in all 50 states experienced disruptions, discord, and violence in the last 18 months. Government officials who never missed a payday were determining whose work was essential and whose was not. Oath-bound public officers, governors, mayors, city councils, and school boards act as if they are immune to the needs, displeasure, and pains of their citizens. They have arrested church members, singing in public, closed churches and businesses with unlegislated mandates, and impaired the execution of contracts. While feigning that their own abuses are somehow in the name of doing so for our own good. Medical choice is now restricted to those who choose to shed the blood of their unborn, those who by nature of their high status exempt themselves from their mask edicts, whether openly or by deception, from taking a mandatory injection imposed upon the rest of us at the cost of our own health and livelihoods, or the tens of thousands who have managed to cross our borders illegally and get complimentary travel and benefits at our expense without the mandated shots. We'll get back to those in a moment. Members of our military are walking away from retirement benefits, separated from the service and some dishonorably discharged. Why? Because they believe they have a right to health freedom, particularly where the benefits of an untested vaccine are obfuscated and even questionable. So it is with the many first responders, police, firefighters, and EMTs and medical personnel all over the country who are being pushed out of their livelihoods. Is this crazy or what? Was this anywhere in your imagination two years ago? What happened to, quote, my body, my choice, end quote? Have we forgotten that there is a word for forcible penetration? It's called rape. And what about those who are invaders flooding into our southern border? Let's define this. An invasion doesn't have to be military. It can be an instance of invading a country or region or an incursion by a large number of people an unwelcome intrusion into another's domain, an attack of a military force, and what we experience then is that the invaders, illegal aliens, is a euphemism, get involved in our political process to vote, demand representation, politically protest, or attempt to participate in the political process. Has there been one, even one, federal officer who has invoked the word invasion to what is happening on our southern border. The terms we hear are, quote-unquote, undocumented workers, immigrants, asylum seekers, and even dreamers, referring to what often turn out to be violent and criminal adults who come across our southern border, in many cases masquerading as minors, and who do violence in our communities and to our fellow citizens. Some have been deported and returned to do violence again. Just a few weeks ago, one of those, air quotes here, poor underprivileged freedom seekers 
raped a passenger on a subway in New York. And if that wasn't bad enough, the other passengers on the train who had been so conditioned to be spectators by technology just stood and watched and recorded the incident on their phones. What have we become that we have tolerance for such lunacy? But I digress. Why have you not heard the word invasion come from the halls of Congress anywhere? You wouldn't expect to hear this from a Democrat, but have you heard it from Rand Paul, Ted Cruz, or Josh Hawley, Ben Sasse, or Lindsey Graham, Mitch McConnell, Roy Blunt, or Marco Rubio? Here's an idea why not. Because using the word invasion may have a specific constitutional meaning. It is unambiguous, and here is what it means. From the Constitution for the United States, Article 4. Quote, the United States shall guarantee to every state in this union a Republican form of government and shall protect each of them against invasion and on application of the legislature uh, of the executive when the legislature cannot be convened against domestic violence. End quote. If we call this an invasion, then we must do something about it. And what is that? Well, from Article 1, Section 8 of the Constitution, it speaks to the enumerated powers delegated to Congress. One of those is to be found in Clause 15, quote, to provide for the calling forth of the militia to execute the laws of the Union, suppress insurrection, and repel invasions, end quote. <gasps> and, oh no, there's that word, militia. Coming from the lips of purveyors of the woke narrative, it is supposed to convey some form of extremism. But such purveyors may be ignorant at best and otherwise infidels if they understand what they are saying, for they betray the trust of the laws that protect even them. The word militia is referred to six times in the text of the Constitution, the most familiar of which is from here. Article 2 of the Bill of Rights. Quote, a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. End quote. Well, what does that mean? Well, I'm glad you asked. First, if you read your state constitution, you may find that you may already be a member of your state militia. Understanding the intent of the founding fathers, it means that the militia of the several states constitute the armed forces of the Union and it is their duty to execute the laws of the Union. In the Founders' vision, they understood that the people are expected to be armed and ready to protect their own families, properties, and neighbors and communities. So if a community is going to defund the police, go right ahead. But the only effective way to do that is to follow the pattern of the framers the Republic laid out. Constitutionally organized militias within the states and counties led by governors and sheriffs within our Republic. Otherwise, when you have lawlessness like we saw in Kenosha, Wisconsin, don't be surprised when someone as young as 17 intrinsically understands what these things mean. What was missing from those burning and ravaged cities over these past several months? Trained, armed, neighborhood citizens of their local organized militias who would have been ready to prevent the violence. Or even without an active militia, as a last resort, armed citizens using their unabridged right of self-protection for their families and property might have had an opposite effect on this historical record. 
how interesting it is that two Idaho cities, Coeur d'Alene and Boise, somehow were spared the chaos when busloads of Black Lives Matter operatives arrived in those communities and observed armed citizens at every corner. Oops. Earlier, I remarked that no member of Congress has dared to use the term invasion to refer to the massive influx of foreigners flooding over our porous border. But I looked this up while I was preparing this message, and lo and behold, as late as October 21st of this year, the congressional record reveals that Congressman Scott Perry of Pennsylvania, Bill Posey of Florida, Kevin Hearn of Oklahoma, and Congresswoman Carol Miller of Illinois actually called it what it is. But they all stopped there. They did not take the next obvious step to apply the Constitution. Speaking of Congress, Democrats are celebrating the passage of Biden's Build Back Better $2 trillion infrastructure plan. Two trillions of dollars more Federal Reserve paper rectangles to flood the economy and sap the substance out of the American people. What would be our constitutional solution? Let's understand a couple of things. One. Even in its battered and beleaguered condition, the Constitution still stands in the way of complete tyranny throughout the land. There is something going on and, pun intended, the mask is off. It doesn't appear that the global virus affecting governments around the world, that of command and control, is being hidden in the shadows anymore. It's apparent and open. But America is the target, and as respected economist Dr. Walter Williams once said, quote, if liberty dies in America, it is destined to die everywhere. End quote. This is deliberate. Let's call it like it is. We are experiencing a war on liberty. Our nation has been here before, and might you and I have imagined that we would be facing the same challenges that the citizens of a young America faced almost 250 years ago. Historically, the results of the command and control virus have been seen before. It starts with chaos, division, and moves on soon to provocation, leading to disarmament. Such regimes know that gun control works for them. This may be uncomfortable, but this video, No Guns for Negroes, at this link, is instructive. Maybe someone can share this with Lori Lightfoot of Chicago and other big city mayors of her ilk. But the primary focus of this message is not gun control. It's not abortion. It's not about the invasion nor the tyranny of forcible rape with a syringe, nor the economy. All of these are symptoms of one root problem, and all of these can be addressed by one root solution. It should be noted that as we are distracted with alarming news from every direction, we are also supposed to be mesmerized into confusion and division over our pet issue. But again, Addressing the root cause allows us to focus on a root response. What is that every one of these issues has in common? Well, I'll wait. Have you figured it out yet? Every one of them has a root cause that our oath-bound public servants are in violation of the Constitution with these behaviors. I started the message with this line, quote, what we've been facing in America for generations is now painfully obvious, and it's that we the people are not in charge, or are we, end quote. Actually, we kind of are in charge. This may sound strange, but we have gotten what we have earned. It's simply the law of the harvest. We have outsourced our liberty to servants who have enriched and entrenched themselves, and now they believe they are the masters. 
We have fallen for every campaign slogan of every election as we have failed to recognize that the Democratic and Republican parties are just two wings of the same predatory bird. And the government is like the bully on the playground taunting us with this, quote, what you going to do about it, end quote. George Washington has this to say about parties. And bear with me, President Washington was not inclined to short sound bites. Quote, all obstructions to the execution of the laws, all combinations and associations under whatever plausible character with the real design to direct, control, counteract, or all the regular deliberation and action of the constituted authorities are destructive of this fundamental principle and of fatal tendency. They serve to organize faction, to give it an artificial and extraordinary force, to put in the place of the delegated will of the nation the will of a party, often a small but artful and enterprising minority of the community, and, according to the alternate triumphs of different parties, to make the public administration the mirror of the ill-concerted and incongruous projects of faction, rather than the organ of consistent and wholesome plans digested by common councils and modified by mutual interests. However combinations or associations of the above description may now and then answer popular ends, they are likely, in the course of time and things, to become potent engines by which cunning, ambitious, and unprincipled men will be enabled to subvert the power of the people and to usurp for themselves the reins of government, destroying afterwards the very engines which have lifted them to unjust dominion." Quote. From George Washington's farewell address, 19 September, 1796. Our first president seems prophetic with his insights. How might we take this back? Because the Constitution has teeth. Herein, we will explore what tools we may have to address these challenges, advance the cause of liberty, and reclaim the Republic. This seven-minute video at this link will give an overview. Understanding that you may know that the Constitution is a contract that all the states are a party to and have an equal footing on. The next step is understanding that oath-bound public servants take an oath to support and defend the Constitution. Because the states are party to the contract, the Constitution, those who take the oath to support and defend it are subject to the contract committing themselves to its conditions. From Article 14, Section 3, we have the following Quote, no person shall be a senator or representative in Congress or elector of president and vice president or hold any office, civil or military, under the United States or under any state who, having previously taken an oath as a member of Congress or as an officer of the United States or as a member of any state legislature, or as an executive or judicial officer of any state to support the Constitution of the United States shall have engaged in insurrection or rebellion against the same or given aid or comfort to the enemies thereof. But Congress may, by a vote of two-thirds of each house, remove such disability." End quote. This has been hidden in sight for so long we haven't recognized the power of it. It is important to point out why Section 3 does not implicate a crime has been committed, just a consequence of ineligibility to be in or hold office for committing moral perjury.
Had Congress declared this a crime, such as treason instead of a, quote, qualification, end quote, those indicted would be entitled to due process per the Constitution. Thus, with a loss of qualification, there is no need for a trial to expel a public servant. One only needs evidence that said public servant, directly or indirectly, supported a role, responsibility, or power that was not enumerated in the Constitution, voted for creating a law or role, responsibility, and power that is not within or enumerated in the Constitution, aided people or organizations that were violating the Constitution or constitutional laws, given aid and or comfort to those violating constitutional laws. Today, our evidence to remove public servants at all levels come in the form of videos, public statements, personal writings, wordings and bills, votes, and more. If one fathoms the extent and magnitude of Section 3 of the 14th Amendment, we have had and still have in public office public servants who should and must be removed from office for a myriad of incidents. For an example, any public servant who does not support the immigration laws should be immediately removed. How? In accordance with Article 4, Section 4, quote, The United States shall guarantee to every state in this union a Republican form of government and shall protect each of them against invasion, end quote. Wonder if we should keep any of them. Does this sound extreme? Here are some quotes from George Orwell's 1984. Tell me what's extreme. Quote, War is peace. Freedom is slavery. Ignorance is strength. End quote. Quote, And if all others accepted the lie which the party imposed, if all records told the same tale, then the lie passed into history and became truth. Who controls the past? Ran the party slogan. Controls the future. Who controls the present? Controls the past. End quote. Page 33. Quote, we know that no one ever seizes power with the intention of relinquishing it. End quote. Page 140. Quote, always eyes watching you and the voice enveloping you, asleep or awake, indoors or out of doors, in the bath or bed, no escape. Nothing was your own except a few cubic centimeters inside your skull. End quote. Page 17. Quote, but it was all right. Everything was all right. The struggle was finished. He had won the victory over himself. He loved Big Brother. End quote. Page 271. Which side will we choose? Surely we are past due for a national political repentance. Providentially, the Constitution has the tools to restore order to America, yet there's something we are missing. What it doesn't give us is time. We don't know how much time we have. The scene of intrigue, deception, and fraud is now blatantly evident to behold. The enemy of liberty is so confident of victory that the strategy is in the open for all to see. The larger part of that strategy has been to turn America from its providential roots. Quote, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. End quote from Ephesians 6.12. Political repentance is absolutely necessary, but will it be enough? It will be a start to return to the Constitution, but if, 
Over the generations, the people of America have tolerated to have our creator who has, quote, endowed us with certain unalienable rights that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, end quote, to be evicted from our schools, our places of business, our halls of government, and even from our homes and hearts. Then should we be surprised if we are evicted from the land of promise, a land which is the envy of the world? Our founding fathers recognized the hand of divine providence in the birth of this nation. We will do well to seek that providence as we go about reclaiming the republic.